Hi everyone, I'm Monica Reinagel, the Nutrition Diva, here with your quick and dirty tips for eating well and feeling fabulous. And this week's podcast topic is N of one experiments, what they are and why you might want to do one. When researchers write about their studies, the number of subjects in the study is often described as N equals 24 or N equals 500 or however many people the study involved. The bigger the N, the more confidence you can have in the results. Researchers will often do a pilot study using a very small N because it's a lot cheaper. And then if the results of that small study are promising, they can invest in a larger trial to test and strengthen their findings. So an N of one experiment is the smallest study you could possibly do, one that involves just a single subject. Now lately, this term has become a bit of a buzzword with so-called biohackers. These are folks who like to experiment with different diet or lifestyle regimens to see what works best for them. How valid are these N of one experiments? Well, they're not very helpful in predicting how someone else might respond to the same regimen. In order to do that, you'd need to test your intervention on lots of people. Some of those folks would have positive results, some will have negative results, and some will have no result whatsoever. And the percentage of people who have a certain result suggests how likely it is that another person would have that same outcome. Why is it all so fuzzy? Why can't we just say something works or it doesn't? Because each of us is so different. We have different genes, different health histories, different lifestyles. We live in different environments. No matter how hard we try to control all of those variables, we will never all respond the same way. But if all you really care is about how you respond to a given workout or a diet, then an N of one experiment is all you need. You know, I usually don't refer to them as N of one experiments, but I actually suggest them to you all the time. There are a lot of dietary theories out there based on ideas that haven't been definitely proven, but haven't been disproven either. For example, some people believe that grains are bad for you. Others are convinced that dairy products aren't healthy for human beings. Some people think that our ideal diet is determined by our blood type and so on. I've talked about all of these in the past. Now, some of these theories are more convincing than others, and quite often there's a lot of contradictory research that makes it hard to say one way or the other. But you know, as long as a dietary approach isn't dangerous, I see no harm in experimenting. If you feel or function better when you eliminate dairy products or grains or meat or whatever, and you can maintain a balanced, nutritious diet without that food, then I'm all for it. I don't think, however, that this means that everyone must adopt that same diet, or even that your success necessarily proves that your theory is correct. You might feel a whole lot better when you go on a gluten-free diet, for example, but that doesn't prove that gluten was making you feel bad. It could be that it was the fiber in the grain that was causing the problem and not the gluten protein. This, in fact, turns out to be the case in a majority of folks who suffer from non-celiac gluten sensitivity. Or the fact that you got fewer colds the winter that you gave up dairy products doesn't prove that dairy was compromising your immunity. It might just have been that you got lucky and were exposed to fewer viruses. Or maybe you were just a little bit more diligent about washing your hands. Those kinds of uncontrolled variables make it hard to draw firm conclusions about cause and effect. 
As long as we're careful not to overinterpret the results of these self-experiments, I think they can be a great way to figure out what works best for us, because no one diet is going to work for everyone. Now, some scientists see a lot of untapped potential in these N of 1 experiments. If lots of people do the same experiment, and they keep reasonably good records, and we could somehow aggregate all of those individual results, well, we could greatly increase the power of that data. Researchers have even set up websites to give people ideas about experiments that they might like to try, and to learn how to improve the validity of their observations and share the results of their N of 1 experiments. Now, the more data you can collect about your experiment, the better. And, you know, we have so many tools these days that make collecting that data easier. We have wearable devices and apps that make it easy to track whatever we want to track, what we eat, when we sleep, how many steps we take each day, our workouts, our mood, the weather, phases of the moon, whatever variables you're interested in. And you can use a web application such as TickTrack to chart all your data and look for interesting patterns. For example, let's say that you shift your workout from evening to morning, and after a few weeks, you've lost a few pounds. Well, you might be tempted to conclude that morning workouts burn more fat. But if you're also tracking your food intake, you might see that the shift in schedule means that your daily eating window has decreased from 14 hours to 10 hours. And as I discussed in a recent episode, a shorter eating window sometimes leads to weight loss. Or maybe working out in the morning also means you're less likely to snack after dinner, and that the weight loss can just as easily be explained by the decrease in your calorie intake. If you're also tracking your sleep, it might reveal that working out in the morning means you get an extra hour of sleep every night, another factor that's correlated to lower body weight. Look, if all you care about is your results, eh, that doesn't really matter. If, however, you have some scientific curiosity about these things, then keeping good records And trying to only change one thing at a time can help you sort out cause and effect, and it could even contribute to a larger body of evidence. If you think you have what it takes to be a biohacker, I have a whole bunch of resources on biohacking, self-quantification, and end-of-one experiments for you to explore, and you'll find them all with the transcript of today's show at nutritiondiva.quickanddirtytips.com. Thanks to you for listening. I always love to hear from you. Send me an email if you like at nutrition at quickanddirtytips.com or even better, come visit me on the Nutrition Diva Facebook page. There's always lots going on over there. Have a great week and eat something good for me.